0: Regardless of what my lean is, regardless of what my perspective is, regardless of my background or culture or or preferences, at the end of the day, in spite of all those things, we make those things secondary and we say, how am I called to navigate this as a follower of Jesus?
1: Framework Leadership, a podcast about principles and ideas you can use today to take your leadership to the next level. I'm your host, Kent Engel, president of Southeastern University.
2: And I'm your co host, Michael Steiner, vice president for innovation. And
1: wow, we have an incredible guest today uh, joining us for the podcast, Jonathan Rivera. Jonathan serves as our campus pastor at Southeastern University. He also serves as the next gen director for the Florida Multicultural District. Uh, I'll tell you, he is extremely passionate about the local church, ethnic diversity, building the next generation of leaders. And wow, what an honor to have you with us today, Jonathan.
0: No, thank you guys for having me. It's going to be fun.
1: Yeah. Uh, Now, you've worked with uh, young people in the local church for over 10 years, uh, preached all across the U.S., and and in the age of... You know, social media and Gen Z and uh, I think there's even another new one now. Gen Alpha. Gen Alpha. Okay. Not real.
2: Fake news. Uh,
1: Fake news. (laughs) news. Okay. Uh, I mean, leadership is evolving in different ways. What are some of the things you've noticed about these generations uh, you've led, worked with, and what advice would you give those rising leaders?
0: Yeah, uh, I think sometimes the mistake that we can make when talking about generations is just, just assuming that they're all the same. Some people kind of put aside the sociological conversation say, They're all the same. It doesn't really make a difference. Millennials are like Gen Z. Gen Z is now like Gen Alpha, and they're all different. But when you really look at what defines a generation, there's specific events, there's specific uh, upbringings that create kind of their worldview, the way they see the world, the way they see culture, the way they see God, the way they see the church. And so, for example, uh, millennials were raised by boomers. Gen Z was raised by Gen Xers and now Gen Alpha is been raised by Millennials and all these different people went through different experiences And so for example, Gen Z is the first generation that are digital natives While Millennials were digital pioneers. Yeah. They live in a completely different world I don't know if you guys have seen on social media about the whole idea of iPad kids because they're going crazy They They literally were born into this world and so I think we have to think about generations, one, through the lens of what are the experiences and the world that they've lived in and how that's shaped them, and then contextualize our ministry say, how do we best reach this generation that lives in a completely different world than I was used to? Yeah. Uh, I think COVID changed everything, Right, probably sped up a lot of things. Uh, and one of the things, for just an example, is uh, once COVID happened, you had a bunch of pastors and saying, hey... Uh, Looking at their nephew or their son or their daughter teach me about this Facebook live thing Or hey teach me about this zoom thing mm-hmm. my mom would come. Hey, Bobby What was that thing called boom or doom or tomb? I'm like you're talking about zoom, aren't you?
2: <laughs> She's like
0: yeah that that zoom thing and so we're living in a digital world one Uh, I think that's one of the biggest things. Number two, we're living in a world where there's decentralized. And so young people now are in a place where they're saying, I don't need to go to this one person. See, in the past, you would go to a pastor, a teacher, a parent, a mentor, whatever to get information. Now you live in a place where the sources of information are everywhere. I don't need to go to my dad. I don't need to go to a teacher. I can go on TikTok. I can go on YouTube. I can go on Instagram. And so what's happening is now you've got 20-year-olds who are talking about buying stocks, 20-year-olds yep. saying, hey, I, w- I want to get into multifamily real estate, 20-year-olds who are saying, I need multiple streams of income. And they're not getting this information from their parents. They're getting this information from other people. And so you live in a generation that is heavily uh, influenced by information. They have information, but what they don't have is wisdom. You got 20-year-olds that don't have a driver's license, but they got an 800 credit score. Yeah. Um, And so I think one of the biggest shifts that were happening is where young people look to, to get wisdom, information, direction. Um, And I think what we have to realize is in this shift, there is number one things that we can learn from generations that are younger than us. But two, younger generations also have something that they can learn from us. And so in the Bible, uh, there's the whole story about the calling of Samuel, right? right? Samuel's in the temple with Eli and God begins to call Samuel. And what happens is that Samuel comes up to Eli and he says, who called me? And Eli says, I didn't call you. Go back to bed. He comes back. Eli, you called me. He said, no, I didn't call you. Go back to bed. Pretty much what ends up happening is Eli is able to discern that Samuel's being called by God. See, Samuel could hear what Eli could not hear, but Eli could discern what Samuel couldn't. Yeah. And so That's we're great. living in a world where young people have information, and they can see and dream and experience and and plan things mm-hmm. that other generations can't. But other generations have experience right. and wisdom and discernment that younger generations don't have. And so we're living in the digital age. We're living in a new generation. We have young people who have all this information, but don't know what to do with it. And so I think the biggest shift is we need to go from being gurus to becoming guides. Yeah. Oh. That's good. Mm-hmm. So I know it. that was I a lot. It. but no, I good. wasn't love expecting the question, but no, 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 that, no, 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 I, those no. are some yeah. initial thoughts. Well,
2: and you know, you look at because I was thinking about the story of Eli, and it also reminds me of, of you know, kind of the story of Solomon's journey. And this is something I've been thinking about a lot: is, is um, when you look at Solomon, right, and you talk about wisdom, you talk about ages and generations. Yeah. Is he was the wisest he ever was at the beginning. Mm-hmm. Right, so like his story is like him is a story of him falling out of wisdom, not Mm -hmm. falling into it. Right, which which goes against what we think. We think the older you get, the wiser you're going to be. Yep. But it's not the case because it's all. I mean, it's all dependent on the on the fear of God. So, talked about how you are building. You know, when you're thinking about building structures on our campus, relationships with our faculty, with our students, and all that kind of stuff. How do we facilitate conversations between these generations that allow us to like. Actually, grow and develop, and bring what each one can to the table.
0: Man, that's a great question. I would say the the first the first place is uh, always having the posture of a learner before having a posture of a teacher, because you actually get more out of somebody when they think they're teaching you. Mm-hmm. When you talk to someone and you're talking to a young person and you say, hey, tell me your perspective on this. Tell me what you think about this. How would you navigate the situation? What are your experiences when you've been navigating this specific thing? And as they begin to open up and they begin to share and they begin to kind of bring on their experience and their knowledge and their wisdom, what happens is there's an opening of their heart where they say, if this person's willing to listen to me, then maybe this is someone that I need to listen to.
1: Mm. Yeah, that's good. Wow. You know, diversity is obviously extremely important to you and plays a big role in in community development, especially in the Florida Multicultural District. Uh, Tell us about your experiences, what you found is the key to really a positive culture and diverse community within the church. How do you make sure that everyone is seen and known um, authentically?
0: Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I think that I have to start off when it comes to the conversation of diversity, I have to understand that my perspective is not always diverse. Right. My upbringing is not diverse. So, for example, me, I am unique to the Southeast. Uh, I grew up in Orlando, Florida. I have Puerto Rican parents. I grew up in a specific uh, church context, ministry context. And so all those things make me have tunnel vision. And so I have to recognize first, I don't have a diverse perspective. So it starts off with saying, I need diverse people around me. And so that happens intentionally. There's friendships that I intentionally create. uh, There's books that I intentionally read. There's sources of information that I'm intentional with. So I try to broaden my world through relationships, through the information that I take in, through all those different things. But at the same time, as a leader, I recognize my leadership is not diverse. And so when it comes to my leadership, I need to make sure that I surround myself with people who are different than me don't think like me, didn't grow up like me, come from a different culture than me. And when I do that, what happens organically, when all those kind of perspectives are brought together and are empowered and released, all of a sudden I'm continually, uh, not clashing, but being exposed to perspectives that are different than mine that shape me, that form me. The problem is that sometimes we're only being formed by one perspective. And so, number one, it's the intentionality of saying, let me get the right people around me. Let me expose myself. But two, there has to be an openness. There has to be times where I surrender my perspective to the perspective of another. Because you could have diverse voices, diverse leaders, diverse friendships. But if you close yourself to only your opinion, then it's not truly diverse. Mm -hmm. So, number one, there's the intentionality. And then two, there's the, the surrender. There's the openness to say, you know what, this is how I would navigate this, this is how I think about this, this is how I would normally do it, but you know what, we're gonna go your way. Mm-hmm. Cause I think that your perspective is valuable. I think your lens is valuable. So I'm gonna create space for it. Um, and I think the last thing is not just listening to it, but then empowering those mm-hmm. voices. And so, you know, there's people that are different than me. I'm gonna find ways, how can I lift this person up? How can I empower this person? Especially if in my particular contest, context, that person is the minority. And so, for example, me, where I'm in a predominantly Hispanic context when I work with the Florida Multicultural District that's extremely diverse, I'm saying, hey, what are some voices that are not Hispanic voices They don't come from my culture, don't come from my context? We need that perspective. And so in the same way that we would do that with other spaces, I need to do it in mine. So I would say intentionality, uh, surrender, and then there has to be empowerment. Yeah
2: and i think the big enemy here right is is fear yes right so so at the end of the day it's not i think we all see the benefits but that that fear of what it is to bring those perspectives in to 100%. allow it across the board whether it's generations like we were talking about a second yep. ago or ethnic diversity there there is a certain level of Courage that you yep. have to have to participate into those conversations. How do you foster that? How do you grow that in yourself? How can you move past that fear in order to to really kind of arrive at this new land?
0: Yeah, I, a lot of. I guess that starts off, where does fear come from? Hmm. Fear comes from I don't know, one and two. I can't control. Hmm. That's where fear comes from. Things that I don't know or things that I can't control. Things that I don't fully understand or things that I can't manipulate. Um and so it starts off with saying, Well, if I'm afraid, what am I afraid of? Yeah. I'm afraid of a different something different, something new. Man, great leaders are always open to new things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Great leaders are always open to something different, something new, something fresh. If if I if I'm a leader who wants to grow who wants to broaden my world. And there's a, another person that has a fresh perspective. I want to know that perspective. Mm-hmm. That helps me to let go of my fear. And then control. Great leaders don't try to control everything. Yeah. Great leaders say, actually, if I'm a good leader, my job is to give other people control. Mm-hmm. It's to delegate authority. It's to delegate and empower people to say, you make that decision. Mm-hmm. You run with that call. You do that thing. Hey, what do you want to do? You know what? Actually, normally I would do it this way, but what's your perspective on this? Mm-hmm. And so I think letting go of my... Need to know, and letting go of my control uh, allows me to have courage to move forward and say, you know what? I don't have to be afraid of this. This is good for our organization. This is good for my life. This is good for our team. This is good for where we're going and what we're doing.
2: Yeah, yeah, and I think in that same vein, what's fascinating, I'm thinking about how in the scriptures, you know, when you're reading when you're reading Proverbs or when you're reading the wisdom literature, it, it the solution to fear is not stop being afraid. Yeah. Instead, what they say is fear the Lord. It's good redirect your fear, remember what actually, what you really have to be afraid of, right? So it's that movement of like, hey, you can be afraid of listening to these voices, you could be afraid of all these if you want to, but at the end of the day, the thing that you really need to be afraid of is missing the movement of God around and not listening to it. And when you reorient yourself to that fear, yeah, then it's like, oh... I can listen to someone half my age. I can listen to someone from an ethnicity because the only thing I fear is God, right. not all that kind of stuff. So it's, I mean, it's, it's, um, it's just interesting that those handles that we have, that we have in there. So how do you cultivate the fear of God in your life?
0: Man, um, I, I think I try to live my my life based on priorities and principles. Mm-hmm. Um, and I there's a, a question that a, a leader asked a couple of years ago, and I've never forgotten it. He says, "What are you carrying that God didn't put on you?" Mm-hmm. Um, and I think sometimes what I can find myself doing internally is, uh, having the wrong fears, elevating the wrong things, putting my focus on, on things that aren't where I need to be. And so I think it's really about, like you mentioned, getting my fear off the wrong things and saying, Hey, I don't want to miss out on what God's doing. Mm -hmm. I don't want to miss out on becoming the God's person God's calling me to be. Um, and so it's redirecting fears. Putting my priorities and my focus on the right things, the right places. And when I do that, then I'll do the right things. Yeah,
1: yeah, that's good. You know, we're, we're living in a culture filled with um, a lot of division, yeah. um, uh, a lot of disagreement. Yep. Um, and in fact, often it's full of hostility. Yeah, um, and, and of course, social media, uh, you know, Amplifies that in a in a pretty significant way. How how um, can leaders replace these kinds of walls of division and and disagreement uh, with more empathy and more compassion and more understanding um, with that bigger perspective?
0: Hundred percent. I think everything comes down to lens. What is the lens through which I'm looking at everything in my life, my relationships, my friendships, my work, the world? Um, and I think what COVID taught us and in, in the past couple of years is that we are being formed by different things. And sometimes those things become our lens, whether your lens is a political lens, a social lens, a cultural lens. And I think it really comes down to what is the lens through which I'm looking at everything. One of the things that we have encountered is that we have a discipleship problem, in the church, across the board, but specifically also with young people. And what's happening is we see people are critiquing the Bible through the lens of culture instead of critiquing culture through the lens of the Bible. Uh, we, we need to redeem this idea of having a biblical worldview, of seeing the world through the lens of Scripture and seeing the, bi- and seeing the world through the lens of Jesus. Mm-hmm. And so whenever there's a cultural topic, which it feels like every other week, there's a new one, right? right. Um, whenever that cultural topic happens, immediately, oftentimes, the quickest thing that we do is politicize it. And I think what we need to ask ourselves is through a biblical lens, how am I supposed to navigate this as a follower of Jesus, mm-hmm. regardless of what my lean is, regardless of what my perspective is, regardless of my background or culture or or preferences, at the end of the day, in spite of all those things, we make those things secondary. And we say, how am I called to navigate this as a follower of Jesus?
1: And how are we doing that at SCU with man, our students?
0: we're trying to get students to get a biblical worldview. Mm-hmm. I, one thing that I love about SCU is, man, number one, in every classroom that you get, you've got a spirit-filled Bible literate, Jesus loving professor right. uh, who will pray with you, have lunch with you, whether it's a math class, a psychology class, or a, or a New Testament course, whatever it is, you're going to have a teacher who loves Jesus, has a biblical worldview, uh, is full of spirit of God and loves you as a student. So I think that's one. Uh, when it comes to us at a, when it comes to the Department of Spiritual Formation, one of the things that I told our team is we got to get people back to the Bible, We need to. And so we do something called the Life Journal all around campus. Right now we have close to 50 small groups that meet every single week. And every single one of those small groups, their main focus is let's do the Life Journal together scripture, observation, application, prayer. Some people have heard of SOAP before. It's one of the things that we're doing. Uh, When it comes to the messages that we're preaching and the things that we're talking about, me, when I came in as campus pastor, I said, hey, I really want to be intentional of us building a solid biblical and theological foundation for our students. We just did a series called Back to the Basics. Uh, And and we're doing that because we want to lay a good foundation, but oftentimes because sometimes the most simple things are actually the hardest things to do and the hardest things to understand. And so I think we're being very intentional of saying, hey, we don't want to just have great services. We don't want to just have great experiences. We really want to lay a solid biblical foundation for our students. And so on a personal level, on a community corporate level, let's get back into truly engaging the Bible and finding more ways that we can get students to do it as well.
2: Yeah. And so how are you guys, what are you, how is your approach to technology and all this, right? So like, obviously we've got in-person, we've got all that kind of stuff, but we can't ignore the fact that social media technology, that's an ever-present, right? So you've got students reading the Bible in groups, and then they pop open their phone and they get hit with you know some scholar somewhere tearing apart everything they just read. How are we engaging that? How are we teaching them how to navigate that? And how are we even thinking about using technology as a campus?
0: Man, I wish I had a better answer for that. Okay, If I'm honest, it's something we're actually thinking through. What does digital discipleship look like yeah. uh, within the Department of Spiritual Formation across the university? I think what I'm really trying to teach young people is not so much about being not so much about digital discipleship. um, I think I'm just trying to teach people that technology forms us Mm. and we need to be mindful of what is forming us, what we're consuming, what we're taking in, and not like in a legalistic perspective, but just recognizing like screens disciple. Yeah. um, And you have to choose what you're going to be discipled by. And whenever you look at things, you have to look at it not just from a cultural, social, political context, but man, the lens being scripture at the end of the day.
1: Yeah, love yeah. it. One final question before we move into our fire round. I mean, you are the uh, the community pastor, campus pastor, um, and and I mean, you literally are discipling uh, thousands yeah. of students. So, what are some of those dreams right now in your heart and in your mind as you, you know, are being faithful and obedient to this opportunity God has placed upon your life?
0: Man, uh, I think if if I think about some of the dreams that we have, um, I think one is that what I what we're creating here is is special. It really is. What's happening at SEU is special. I don't say it just because it's my job and I'm the campus pastor. I get to travel a little bit, go to different places, and uh, man, what we have here is unique. It's really special. And my hope would be that SEU would continue to just be a launching pad. Um, and that this, what students take here, they'd be able to take it with them across the world. I remember when I was a youth pastor in Orlando, I would drive to SEU every single week on my day off just to come to chapel, just to experience what was happening. And I would take what was happening at SEU and I would try to take a little bit back to my context. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that what I was able to bring back was a blessing to hundreds of young people in the city of Orlando. I think that's one that my hope, that what's happening here as we launch students out, it would have a tremendous impact on the local church across the United States and across the world. I think that's one. Right now, uh, if you ask some students, what's your favorite chapel of the week? They would say prayer chapel, Um, which the funny thing about our prayer chapel is it's the chapel where we do the least. It's actually the chapel where we feel like we get out of the way and God is doing the deepest transformational work in Mm -hmm. a student's life because they're spending time in prayer. They're spending time in scripture, spending time listening to God's voice about their life and their future. Um, and so, man, that our campus would be a place that's marked by prayer. Um, and and here's the thing. You walk in on a Tuesday morning prayer chapel, you're going to see four or five hundred young people, uh, Bibles open, heads bowed, eyes closed, spending time with the Lord. And so, number one, that we would continue to be a launching pad that truly influences the local church across the country. Two, that we would be a place that's that's known for prayer. Um and I think just one, I think one last thing would would be that just we would be continue to be a place that's developing great leaders. Yeah. Um, I'm passionate about leadership. I want people to get their degrees. I want people to have a great experience. But man, I, I want us to become leaders that walk into every sphere and space within culture and the church and make a difference. Yeah. Uh, I really want us to just lift up a generation of leaders that, man, take the world by storm. Yeah. And so, so that's it. So
1: good. Well, let's move into that fire round. You let's know, we're do gonna it. we're gonna give you three quick questions and just grab some practical and applicable pieces, so uh, can be uh, great for our listeners. Uh, three questions. Michael, start the first one.
2: Got it. So, in your opinion, what's the key to maintaining integrity?
0: Ooh, uh, trying to close the gap between what you say and what you do. Mm.
1: Huge. Uh, Second question, what's the number one way to get this next generation prepared to lead?
0: Listen to them before you lead them.
1: Mm. Good.
2: (laughs) Last question. Uh, What is your – let me ask it this way. What's the number one thing that you're telling young leaders as you're preparing them to lead? What's that one piece of advice you're like, man, just capture this and you'll be good to go?
0: Preparation is everything. There's too many people who can't handle – what God is trying to put on them, because they haven't prepared enough on who what God's doing in them.
1: Love it. Great. Well said. Man, anybody tell you, you're brilliant. You're brilliant. Oh, and then that's you kind. had that
0: call upon your yeah. life. It's uh, kind. You guys uh, are kind.
1: I, I mean, it's incredible. and We are grateful that um, God gave you as a gift to Southeastern and, and uh, what you're doing with these Amazing students that he sends our way. Uh, We get to raise up so they can go out and serve. Absolutely. uh, Thankful for you guys. Yeah. So thank you for being on the podcast today. If you want to stay up to date with Jonathan, you can follow him on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Jonathan Rivera. Any other places? No, that's it. That's it. All of those. All right. Great. Thanks for joining us on the Framework Leadership Podcast today. Take care, everybody
2: thank you so much for joining us today on framework leadership if you're watching on youtube right now now would be a great time to hit that like button hit that subscribe button so you can get more leadership content right into your youtube feed you can also check us out on instagram at kent underscore Engel, at dr michael steiner or on twitter and youtube at kent Engel. and hey if you love great email newsletters. And I know that I do. You want to check out the Framework Leadership newsletter every single Friday, drops in great tips to be a better leader, resources, thoughts, right into your inbox. Check it out. You can sign up at kentingle.com Make sure you hop onto there. Thank you so much for listening to Framework Leadership. Take care, everybody.